Hello everyone, welcome here. We're so glad you've joined us for part four of our series, Through the Lens of Jesus. It truly is, for us as Christians, all about Jesus. I wanna ask you a question today though. Your relationship with God is based on a covenant. Did you know that? Do you even know what a covenant is? Did you know that the entire Bible is a book about exactly God's covenants? Do we as Christians even know what those covenants are? We can't properly understand Christianity without understanding covenants, and we can't properly understand the Bible without understanding what a covenant is. In fact, our whole Bible is split up into two parts, okay? The Old Testament and the New Testament. Do you know what the word testament means? It means, in the case of Old Testament, New Testament, covenant. That's literally what it means. Our Bible is literally split up into Old Covenant and New Covenant. So what exactly is a covenant, okay? A covenant is an oath-based relationship between two or more parties of people. Now, covenants were very common in the ancient world, okay? Uh, so King A might be a stronger king and King B might be a weaker king and King A and King B would make a covenant together and King A would, you know, his part of the covenant might be, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to defend you from your enemies and in return, King B, you are going to give me, you know, you're going to covenant to give me a certain amount of taxes each year, you're going to co covenant to come to the capital city once a year and pay homage or worship our gods or whatever. In the ancient Near East, covenants were a huge deal and they were made all the time, okay? Now, in the ancient world, entering into a covenant was a very serious thing. When you entered into a covenant, you were entering into something serious. You, it, it was very important not to break the covenant. In fact, in the, in the area of the ancient Near East, in the area of Israel, well, one of the superpowers was the, the, the Hittite nation. And the Hittites had customs whereby when they would make a covenant with another nation or when, when powerful people in the Hittite nation would make covenants together, they would sometimes actually cut an animal or multiple animals in half. By the way, is this sounding familiar at all? The story of Abraham, right? In Genesis 12 to 17, okay? One of the, this story is, is there in Genesis. But they would cut uh, some animals in half and they would have the, the weaker party in the covenant walk between the halves of the dead animals. And the point was that if you break this covenant, then may the same thing happen to you. In the same way these animals were killed and cut in half, as you pass through this covenant, what you're saying is, if I break my end of the covenant, now that I'm entering into this covenant, if I break this covenant, may the same thing happen to me. May I be killed and cut in half, okay? So now this raises a couple of questions because like I said before, the entire Bible is all about God's covenants. We've got the Bible split up into Old Covenant, New Covenant. So the question now is, if we are in a covenant with God, and if according to ancient Near East customs, covenants are very important things, okay, then we need to make sure we actually know what a covenant is, and we need to make sure we know what's our obligations. What has God promised to us in the covenant? What are our obligations to him, okay? So let's first of all ask the question, how many covenants are there in scripture? And then let's figure out which covenant applies to us, okay? And so there are five basic covenants in the Bible. Now, different people can divide it up in different ways. And some people say there's six or seven. Some people say there's more than five. But there's everybody agrees there's five major ones, okay? And I'm just going to quickly breeze the first, uh, you know, few of those. But the five major covenants in Scripture are the Noah Covenant, 
okay, where God promises never to flood the earth again, the Abraham covenant, which we'll look at in just a moment, the Moses covenant, the Mosaic covenant that God made between God, that was made between God and the Israelites at Mount Sinai with Moses after God brought the Israelites into Egypt, the David covenant where God promised that the Messiah would come out of the line of David, and lastly, there's this thing called the New Covenant. Okay, the New Covenant. Now let's just take a whirlwind tour through these various covenants, okay? And this is really important because again, your relationship with God, I'm going to show you, is based on a covenant, okay? And there's a whole bunch of covenants in the Bible, so we need to know which covenant we're in, and then we need to know what God has promised us and what our obligations to Him are, okay? So let's start with the Noah Covenant. The Noah Covenant is the first major covenant in Scripture, and we read about it at the end of the flood. After the water dries up, God makes a promise to Noah, and here's what He says. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. So let me just put up a quick graphic and we can move on to the next covenant. Covenant. Here's the Noah covenant, okay? The Noah covenant was a covenant between who are the parties involved in this covenant? God and the entire earth. Okay, the Noah covenant is God and the entire earth. He actually makes the covenant with the plants, the animals, and all human beings, okay? So it's God and the entire earth. And God's part of the covenant is his promise to never again wipe out the entire earth with a flood, okay? And the, our part as human beings in this is basically just to enjoy that promise. The Noah covenant is basically God promising that no matter what, he's never going to flood the earth again. Now, if you read some other verses in chapter 9, you'll find that God also commands people not to drink blood and not to murder. Uh, so those are kind of aspects of the covenant. But the, the cool thing about the Noah covenant is that even if human beings murder, and human beings do murder, God will still keep his part of the bargain. So the Noah covenant is about God's promise, and for us as human beings, we really don't have a part in it. Our part is just to receive the promise, okay? That's the Noah covenant, first major covenant in Scripture, okay? And we get to enjoy the benefits of that one, all right? Second major covenant in Scripture comes just a few chapters later. After Genesis 6 through 9, we get to Genesis 12 through 17, which is the story of the covenants God makes with Abraham. And I'll take one excerpt out of chapter 17, and God makes this covenant with Abraham. Then Abram, his name hasn't been changed to Abraham yet, fell on his face. And God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Okay? Now, we could look at a whole bunch of passages, but we're just, we're just taking a tour through the major covenants of Scripture. Because the Bible is the story of God, the various covenants that God has made with his people. 
Okay, so there's three major things that, that, you know, three major promises that God made with Abraham in the Abrahamic covenant. One was, Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants into a great nation. That came true in the Jewish nation. I'm going to give your, your descendants, the Jewish nation, I'm going to give them the promised land, the land of Israel. That happened. And then the third part of the promise, this is from Genesis 12, is God said, I'm going to bless the whole world through your offspring, speaking of the Messiah. That the Messiah will come through your offspring, through the Jewish people. And of course, that happened in Jesus, okay? Now, there's one th part where the Abraham covenant is different than the Noah covenant. So in the Abraham covenant, God has these three promises. You're the, you know, the, the nation of Israel, they're going to have the land of Israel. The Messiah is going to come from Israel, okay? Um, but unlike the Noah covenant, where basically it doesn't matter what we human beings do, God's going to keep his promise anyway, the Abraham covenant is based on Abraham and his descendants. They have an obligation back to God. And I'm going to show you this to you. This is also in Genesis chapter 17. Here's what it says. This is my, God says to Abraham, my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So, God in the covenant, in the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant, who are the parties involved in the Abrahamic covenant? Well, it's God and Abraham and Abraham's physical descendants, the Jewish people. Those are the parties involved. Notice, you and I, we're not Jewish people, we're not descendants of Abraham, we're not actually included in this promise, although we get to enjoy the benefits of the Messiah, which is really wonderful, okay? And then God's promises, as I said before, are the nation, the land, and the Messiah, but now, in this case, Abraham and his descendants have an obligation back for the covenant to work, and that is, all the males must be circumcised. Now, again, as I said before, those of us modern Christians today who are not Jews, we're not part of this covenant because we're not physical descendants of Abraham. We get to enjoy the Messiah, but that's why we don't need to get circumcised, okay? Christian, to be a Christian, you don't have to get circumcised. Why? Because that's not, we're not part of this covenant, okay? It's a covenant God made with Abraham. So Abraham and his descendants did have to get circumcised, and any male descendant of Abraham's who didn't get circumcised was out of the covenant. See how the covenant is based on mutual obligations, okay? Well, let's move to covenant number three, and this is where it starts to get really interesting, and this is where it starts to get really exciting, and this is where it starts to get really confusing for many Christians, because the next covenant we're going to talk about is, in terms of complexity, and rules and stipulations is by far the biggest, most complex covenant in the Bible, and it takes up a huge chunk of our Old Testament. I'm talking about the Mosaic Covenant, okay? The Mosaic Covenant, the covenant that God made with the people of Israel through Moses at Mount Sinai after God rescued the people of Israel uh, from Egypt. And we can read about the covenant ceremony in Exodus chapters 19 to 24. Okay, you can mark that down if you want to go and look this up during the week. Exodus 19 through 24 is the covenant ceremony of the Mosaic Covenant. Okay, and we'll just read a little bit of it. Okay, Exodus 24 verse 6. Moses comes down from Mount Sinai and now they're going to have the ceremony. Okay, and Moses took half the blood and put it in basins and half the blood he threw against the altar. Okay, now remember that part about the blood, that's going to be very important. Some covenants, and many covenants in the ancient Near East, but some covenants in particular, 
were, were you had to have blood to seal the covenant. Okay, and that's going to become important later in the message. But anyway, then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. So first he takes some blood, he sprinkles it on the altar, and he sprinkles some blood in the basins, and then he takes the book of the covenant and he reads it to the people. Now, what is the book of the covenant? And for all intents and purposes, for those of us Christians, uh, you know, reading today, they wouldn't have had all of this, you know, put together at that point. But basically, the Mosaic Covenant is a huge chunk of our Old Testament. It's basically Exodus. It's basically Exodus through De Deuteronomy. Exodus through Deuteronomy is the Mosaic Covenant. It's the story of how God made the covenant. And it's also filled with all the obligations and the blessings and curses related to that covenant agreement. Okay? That covenant agreement where we make an agreement. I'm going to do this. You're going to do this. And if you do this, then this is going to happen. And if you do this, then this is going to happen. If you don't do this, then this is going to happen. That's what a covenant is. That's the Mosaic Covenant. Exodus, essentially Exodus through Deuteronomy. Now look what happens next. And they said, that's the people of Israel, okay? Back in Exodus 24 here, verse 7. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So this is them agreeing to their side of the covenant. So he reads out the book of the covenant. These are all the laws, the sacrifices, the rituals. These are the things. Now I'm entering into a covenant with you. I'm going to be your God. And I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to protect you. And in return, you're going to be my people. And you're going to, you're going to obey these, these commands, these stipulations, these regulations, these rules. And now the people, after hearing that, they say, we will do it. And we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people. So the blood touches the people. And said, behold, the blood of the covenant. So it's, so it's been on the altar. That's, you know, representing God. It's been on the people. These, these two parties are being sealed together in a covenant. Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words, okay? So God covenanted with the Israelites, I'm going to be your God, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to give you the land of Israel. The Israelites covenant back to God, all the rules and regulations of Exodus through, through Deuteronomy, <coughs> pardon me, we're going to keep those rules, we're going to keep those regulations, and we're going to worship you alone as our God. It's a covenant. It's a, in some ways parallel to a marriage. Israel and the God of Israel, in a sense, being married together by a covenant. Now, here's where we start to get practical now. The question is, are we Christians today? Are we Christians today under that Mosaic covenant that God made with the people of Israel back at Mount Sinai? Okay, I want you to think about that for a moment. What do you think? Okay, as you're sitting at home or wherever you're watching or listening to this right now, what do you think? Are we Christians under that Mosaic Covenant? Now, this can be a confusing question because it takes up such a big chunk of our Old Testament. And we know the Old Testament's important. It's God's Word. So it's very easy for many Christians to assume, well, this is part of the covenant. We're kind of under it. And then you're looking in there and it has led to a ton of confusion and division within the Christian church for 2,000 years. Okay? Literally, uh, you know, Christians have disagreed about all kinds of things, really ultimately coming down to this question of the Mosaic Covenant. Are we Christians under it or are we not? And, and so lots of questions that basically stem out of this. For example, one example would be there's many Christians today, one, you know, godly good Christians, uh, people like the Seventh-day Adventists and others who believe we should only go to church on Saturday 
And that has to do with, you know, laws in the Mosaic Covenant that they believe still hold for us today. You know, there's other Christians that believe you should never get a tattoo. That is actually rooted in the Mosaic Covenant. In fact, let me, let me just, let's just jump on that one little example, for example. Okay? One little example, for example. Tattoos. Is it a sin to get a tattoo? Okay? And uh, as you sit there at home, some of you are wondering, oh my goodness, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? Some of you have no problem with tattoos. Some of you are convinced, no, getting a tattoo is a sin. In fact, generations of Christians here in our area and in North America have thought that getting a tattoo is a sin. And the reason that many Christians have thought getting a tattoo is a sin is because there is explicitly a verse in the Bible in the Mosaic Covenant that absolutely forbids tattoos. Let's look at it. Leviticus 19 verse 28. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. Okay. Now this very verse is very, very clear. It's very clear what this verse is saying. This verse is definitely saying, do not get a tattoo. You're not allowed to get a tattoo. Okay. So the question here is not, does this verse forbid getting tattoos? It absolutely does. The question is, does this rule apply to us still today? Because this rule is part of the Mosaic Covenant. So if the Mosaic Covenant applies to us as Christians today, then for sure, there's no debate then getting a tattoo is a sin. And going to church on a day that is not a Saturday is a sin. Okay. And look at this. What about the Sabbath? Okay. The Mosaic Covenant is very clear about keeping the Sabbath. Okay. I, I just want us to explore this just for a little bit. Just stay with me here. This is so important for understanding your Bible and how we're supposed to live as Christians today. This is the core of what our Bible, our Bible is split up into Old Covenant, New Covenant. So the Mosaic Covenant... Part of Israel's obligations to God under the Mosaic Covenant was that they needed to keep the, the Sabbath. Look at Exodus 35. Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. Okay, so in the Mosaic Covenant... The Israelites were actually agreeing with God. We will not work on the Sabbath. And anyone who does will be put to death. That was part of the covenant obligation. They were obligated. They, it was part of the agreement. Okay? No work on the Sabbath. Now, um, and with a death penalty to boot. Pretty serious. Now, the thing we have to understand as Christians today is this is way bigger than Sunday shopping. Okay? Uh, a lot of Christians have sort of reduced in this sort of general way. There's confusion about the Mosaic Covenant. There's confusion about the Sabbath. And, you know, we've confused it into, you know, something as, as small as Sunday shopping. Okay? You have to understand, in, in, under the Mosaic Covenant, uh, the Sabbath was way bigger than Sunday shopping. Way, way bigger than Sunday shopping. Okay? Uh, look at the next verse, Exodus 35. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. And you want to know why? Because they weren't allowed to cook or to bake on the Sabbath. No fires, no cooking, no baking. On the Sabbath, zero. No going into the office to do a little bit of paperwork, okay? Not even any yard work, okay? Look at Numbers 15. While the, verse 32, while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. Now, no doubt he was gathering sticks to make a fire, probably to cook something or to bake something, okay? 
found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. Now, I wonder what they're going to do to him. I mean, he's just gathering sticks. He picked up a few sticks. That's not even necessarily that hard of work. But look what, it, look what God says. And the Lord said to Moses, the man shall be put to death. And we go, wait, that seems so severe. No, no, remember, that's the Mosaic Covenant. They agreed. They agreed to this. They stood at Mount Sinai and they said, we will do this. Here's your obligations. God said, I will be your God. I will protect you. I will give you the land of Israel. And in return, you will keep my Sabbath. And you will do all the things in Exodus through Deuteronomy, the Mosaic Covenant. They said, we will do it. So the Lord said to Moses, the man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. And all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, if we Christians are under the Mosaic Covenant, this is really important. If we're under the Mosaic Covenant, we have to actually take this seriously. That means if you're a trucker and you are driving truck on the Sabbath, actually you need to pull over the road and no matter where you are, no matter what's in the back of your truck and you stop and you observe the Sabbath, you do not drive on the Sabbath. Okay? You don't mow the lawn or blow the leaves or shovel the driveway on the Sabbath. You don't cook. You don't bake on the Sabbath. That's not what, I'm not making that up. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Mosaic Covenant records. And by the way, if we Christians are under the Mosaic Covenant, we don't get to choose which day of the week is the Sabbath. We don't get to say it's Sunday because the Mosaic Covenant tells us which day the Sabbath is. Okay? It says this in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath. This is why, you know, observant Jews around the world observe the Sabbath on Saturday. Is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant. Now, there are many other examples. So I've just looked quickly at, at the Sabbath and at tattoos. And these are, these are you know, relatively big, relatively small. You know, maybe a big deal to some, maybe like no big deal to others. But the fact of the matter is, we actually need to pay attention to this as Christians because these are covenants that God made with his people. And if we are under the Mosaic Covenant, we actually need to pay attention to those things and we need to take them seriously because it's sin to break. If we're part of that covenant, it's a sin to break that covenant. And there's many other things. If we go through Exodus through Deuteronomy, we're going to find all kinds of other laws in there. Laws about not mixing two kinds of material in your, uh, in your clothes, in your shirts, in your pants. Uh, laws about, you know, how to plant a field, laws about how to build a house, laws about rituals and eating and all those sorts of things. So the question is, are we as Christians under the Mosaic Covenant? I know it takes up a huge chunk of our Old Testament, okay? And I know we need it because it's God's word and it's part of the story of how God gave us the Messiah. But the question is, are we under the covenant and are we, are we meant to obey the stipulations and regulations within it? Well, let's go to the New Testament. And let's find out, okay? Are we under the Mosaic Covenant or are we under a different, different covenant? Or are we under this covenant and a different covenant? Are we under multiple covenants? Well, let's find out. Let's go to Luke 22, first of all. And uh, the night before Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus tells us that he came to make a covenant. He says this at the Last Supper. And he, that's Jesus, took bread. And when he had given thanks... He broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the, what? New covenant. Notice that, in my blood. The Mosaic covenant was inaugurated with blood. 
Jesus says, I am now coming to start a new covenant, okay? A new covenant in my blood. Now, obviously, if you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, uh, you probably have some understanding that we are under what's often called a new covenant, the New Testament, the new covenant. We Christians are under the Jesus covenant, okay? Okay, so now the question is, so we've got, We've talked about different covenants in the Old Testament, and the biggest by far, the main covenant in the Old Testament, is the Mosaic Covenant. And so we've looked a bunch at the Mosaic Covenant, and now we see that Jesus came to start what he called a new covenant. And we Christians are under that new covenant. The question now is, are we under both? Okay, are we as Christians part of two covenants? Are we part of the Jesus Covenant and also part of the Moses Covenant? Are we part of the Jesus Covenant and part of parts of the Moses Covenant? Well, let's find out. The New Testament writers, again, will be our guide. And by the way, this is not a minor topic. What I'm talking about today, I'm basically giving you an overview of the entire New Testament. Okay? This is one of the biggest topics of the New Testament. The entire book of Hebrews, huge chunks of Galatians and 2 Corinthians, and, you know, parts of pretty much all of Paul's epistles are dealing with exactly this question, which covenant are we under? And how do we live under the New Covenant? I'm just going to take a couple of little excerpts for you. Let's go again to Hebrews 8 like we did last week. Hebrews 8 says this, In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one, speaking of the Mosaic covenant, he, he's obviously not speaking of the Noah covenant, because that's a promise till the end of time. God's not going to destroy the earth with the flood. He's not speaking of the Abrahamic covenant, because that one's already been fulfilled. He made Abraham into a great nation. He gave them the promised land, and he sent a Messiah through the Jewish people. So he made the first one obsolete. When he's talking about the first one there, he's talking about the Mosaic Covenant. So in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the Mosaic Covenant, what? Obsolete. Obsolete. I want you to pay attention to that, Christian. That's really important. We're under the Jesus Covenant. We're not under two covenants. We're not under the Jesus Covenant in parts of the Mosaic Covenant. The Mosaic Covenant was a covenant that God made with Israel. And when Jesus inaugurated the new covenant with his blood, the old one became... That's not my words. Now some of you are going, Oh, Chris, I don't like what you're preaching. You're preaching crazy stuff. These aren't my words. This is in the book of Hebrews. This is in the Bible. The, the, the writer of Hebrews says he makes the first one, the Mosaic covenant obsolete and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Let's look at Galatians 3. Let's just a couple more passages here. And again, huge chunks of the New Testament. Now before faith came, Paul says in Galatians 3, we were held captive under the law. Now what's he talking about with the law? He's talking about the Mosaic covenant. All the rules and regulations that the people of Israel at Mount Sinai agreed with God. These are the things we will do. Paul says we were held captive under that law. The rules and regulations of the Mosaic covenant. Imprisoned until, notice until, it was a temporary imprisonment. It wasn't an eternal thing. Until the coming of faith would be revealed. So then the law, you can look in their Mosaic covenant that they agreed to with God, was our guardian until, it was temporary, until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Notice that Paul calls the Mosaic covenant a guardian, kind of like a nanny. The, the, the Mosaic Covenant was a guardian for God's people, a nanny to watch over them until the real promise and the real covenant could come. Now Paul says this in verse 25, pay attention. But now that faith has come, we are no longer, 
under a guardian. He does not say, hey, we're under the new covenant and you still have some obligations to the Mosaic covenant. No, 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 no. We're no longer on it. The, the Mosaic covenant did its work. It was a guardian until the time of Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Now, I want to tell you something. The Jesus covenant, the new covenant, is a much better. The Mosaic covenant was, was you know, perfect for its time. What In the plan of God, bringing up to the fruition of Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. The Jesus covenant that we are under, the new covenant, is way better than the Mosaic covenant. Look at this, back to Hebrews 8. That's not me saying that. Let me let the Bible say it. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is a, as much more excellent than the old, speaking of the Mosaic covenant, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant, the Mosaic covenant, had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. So let's take a break here for just a moment. Let's take a break. Before the next wave of questions rises in your mind. And we could look at many, many more passages. We just don't have time in one message to do that. Okay, but we could look at many more passages in the New Testament. The Mosaic Covenant was a covenant that God made with the ancient people of Israel at Mount Sinai, you know, 3,000 years ago or 3,500 years ago, somewhere in there. You and I, who come thousands of years later, who are not Jewish people, who have put our faith in Jesus, are not part of that covenant. That covenant is obsolete. It has passed away. It's gone. We are now under a new covenant, the Jesus covenant. Okay? Now, I know one of the questions that will begin to rise in your minds. I know one of the questions because some of you are going to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Chris. What about the Ten Commandments? What about do not murder? Do not commit adultery? Do not steal? Do not lie? Like, Chris, are, you, are those things all gone? Is it under the new covenant? Or is it just a free-for-all? Like, we can just do whatever we want. Immorality, sexual immorality, murder, and all sorts of things. And the answer is, absolutely not. The new covenant has its own moral, moral imperatives, moral right and wrong, moral obligations. And before I show you what those are, though, I want to I use an illustration. Okay, I want to use an illustration, okay? So, I'm a Canadian citizen, okay? No doubt, many of you, most of you who are watching this right now are Canadian citizens, okay? Which means we live in Canada uh, and we obey the laws of Canada. Now, imagine I meet a German citizen, okay? Imagine I meet a lovely, wonderful German citizen. And that German citizen asks me a question and they say, uh, do you obey... German laws. And I would say, well, no, I'm a Canadian citizen. And then imagine if that German citizen would say to me, oh, so what you're saying is you're allowed to murder and you're allowed to steal and you're allowed to commit acts of vandalism and fraud. And I would, and I would say, well, no, why would you say that? And the German citizen would say, well, we have laws against that in Germany. So if you say you're not bound by those laws, then that means you can do whatever you want. And I would say to the German citizen, I can't do whatever I want. I, follow, I have to follow the Canadian laws, okay? Just because I don't follow the German laws doesn't mean I don't have any laws. I'm in Canada, okay? And there's actually going to be some overlap 
right? There's going to be some overlap between Canadian laws and German laws. You know, both countries, you know, uh, it, you know, no doubt it's illegal. I'm not an expert in German law, but I'm assuming in both countries it's illegal to commit murder. It's illegal to, to commit fraud, to steal, to rape, and those sorts of things. So there will be some overlap, but there will also be all kinds of not overlap, okay? And the reason that's important is because if I'm a Canadian citizen and I'm trying to follow German laws, I'm going to get very confused very quickly. Okay? So I don't need to worry about German laws because I'm not a German citizen. I just need to worry about Canadian laws and Canadian rules because I'm a Canadian citizen. Now, let me tell you something. Right? Same with the New Covenant. If you are in the Jesus covenant because you've put your faith in Jesus, you are a citizen. You're part of the family of God. You're part of a, you're the, a citizen of heaven. You're not worried about the Mosaic covenant was a covenant with the ancient Israelites. You're not an ancient Israelite. And you're going to get very confused if you're trying to follow the Mosaic covenant and the ancient Israelite laws because there's most of the laws in there you can't follow. And you're going to have a hard time figuring out which ones you're supposed to follow and which ones you're not. So the Mosaic Covenant has a whole bunch of things about sacrifices. Well, we know we're not supposed to do those. It also has a whole bunch of eating laws. Well, some Christians do think we should follow the eating laws. Okay? It talks about the Sabbath. Well, some Christians think we should follow the Sabbath. It's, it has a very strict law about tattoos. And then it has a whole bunch of other regulations and stuff about, about how, how you dress and what you wear and how you farm and all those sorts of things. Plus, criminal penalties like stoning a rebellious uh, teenager. Okay? That's the Mosaic Covenant. Now, if you're trying to pick and choose into there, it's going to get really confusing. Okay? So how do we know what the commands of the New Covenant are. So the first thing we just have to understand is we're not under the Mosaic Covenant. We're under the New Covenant. We're citizens of heaven. We're citizens. We're part of Jesus' family. We've been adopted into his family. So now, how do we know what the commands of the New Covenant are? Okay, and I got two things I want to tell you. First one is read the New Testament. Because remember, Testament means covenant. The New Testament are our New Covenant writings. So if you want to know how to live under the New Covenant, okay, when we read the Mosaic Covenant, we are understanding the context of the Jesus story. We're seeing the grace of God. But when we want to see how to live today under the New Covenant, we have to, for advice on how to live, we have to go to the New Covenant scriptures and the New Covenant writings, okay? So that's first. You want to know how to live in the New Covenant? you got to see what the New Covenant tells us to do. Secondly, you have to understand this. The New Covenant is centered around a very specific command. The New Covenant, like this, this, so, you know, Mount Sinai, God makes a covenant with Israel and they agree to all these things. And God agrees to do this and the Israelites agree to do all this. The New Covenant is based around a very specific command. And it's the command of love. And I can show you many passages in the New Covenant Scriptures, in the New Testament. But let me just look at John 13, 34. Jesus says this to his disciples. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. A new commandment for this new covenant. I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Under the new covenant, our primary obligation is to love God and to love each other. 
Now you say, well, what about, you know, the, the, the Mosaic Covenant has such clear guidelines. Don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Well, guess what? Those ones are repeated in the New Covenant. Look at this, Romans chapter 13. Paul says this, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So guess what? In the new covenant, murder and adultery and stealing or coveting are still wrong. They're still sinful. You know, I... It's, they're not sinful because the Mosaic Covenant said they're sinful. They're sinful because the New Covenant said they're sinful because it goes against who God's character is. Okay? Now, when it comes to love, the New Covenant goes even further than the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant actually didn't go far enough. Look at the New Covenant goes on to say even more about what it means to love each other. It's more than just don't murder. It's more than just don't commit adultery. It's more than just don't steal. Look at Colossians 3 verses 8 to 9. But now you must put them all away. Here's the new covenant ethic. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. By the way, there's not commands against obscene talk in the old covenant. This is in the new covenant. This is the new covenant ethic. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Okay? In some ways, the New Covenant is actually even stricter than the Old Covenant. In some ways. It's more internally focused. It's less externally focused in terms of regulations and rituals. The Mosaic Covenant forbid adultery. That's in the Ten Commandments. The New Co Covenant goes beyond adultery and even forbids lust. Look at this. Matthew 5, 27 to 28. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. He's quoting the Mosaic Covenant. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay? So the new covenant goes to the inner. It goes right to the inner. God wants to give us pure hearts in the new covenant. Not just that we obey a bunch of rules and regulations and look spiritual on the outside. He wants us to be genuine from the inside out. Let me tell you this because I know sometimes when when pastors talk about not being under the Mosaic Covenant, some Christians are afraid they mean being permissive. That when that gets preached, that that means Christians have license to do whatever they want. Let me tell you, the New Covenant is not permissive to things like sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 6.18, Paul says this, and I could look at many, I could look at dozens of passages in the New Covenant. Flee from sexual immorality. Flee from it. The New Covenant is not easy on immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. That's the new covenant. So let me just take a couple of brief moments and sum up two important differences. We could look at many, many. We could do a whole Bible college class comparing the Mosaic Covenant and the Jesus Covenant. But let me just sum this message up and leave you with two things, two important differences between the Mosaic Covenant and the new covenant. Important difference number one. The Mosaic Covenant was more focused, as I said before, on external regulations. The New Covenant is focused on the heart and the love. The New Covenant is not so much focused on what you're doing on the outside to show you're right with God. It's focused on the inside. Do you love people? Do you love God? Let me show you this in a passage from Colossians 2. 
This is the heart and the spirit, the comparison between the Mosaic and the New Covenants. Look at this, Colossians 2, verse 16. Paul says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a what? Sabbath. Remember in the Mosaic Covenant, Sabbath was a huge deal. Gathering sticks could get you killed. You're not allowed to bake or cook on Saturday. Under the New Covenant, Paul says that stuff doesn't matter. It's not what you eat or drink. It's not about the festival. It's not about the Sabbath, okay? Verse 17, these are a shadow. All those rules and regulations in the Mosaic Covenant weren't the real thing. They were shadows of the real thing. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. All of those rules and regulations were meant to point us ultimately to Jesus. Let no one disqualify you. Oh, let this verse set us free. Insisting on asceticism. By the way, do you know what asceticism means? You can look it up in a dictionary after this message. Asceticism means severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence. It's basically a form of external hyper-spirituality where people judge their spirituality by fasting extreme amounts or praying extreme amounts or, you know, uh, different spiritual disciplines for hours and hours and hours a day thinking that by asceticism, by extreme discipline, that they can make themselves more spiritual. Insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on in details about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Verse 20, he goes on, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These, now look at this, have the appearance, notice, those that asceticism, that extreme spiritual discipline has the appearance, that's what it says in verse 23, has the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. In other words, in the New Covenant people, it's not about how much you can show off to people on the outside how spiritual you are. It's about being humble and caring and loving on the inside. That's the new covenant. And lastly, second difference, first difference, Mosaic more external, new covenant more internal. But secondly, under the Mosaic covenant, people wrestled with sin from a place of condemnation, while under the new covenant, we fight against sin from a place of forgiveness and victory. 2 Corinthians 3. Oh, these passages are beautiful. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 7. Now, if the ministry of death, listen to that, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone. Now, stop there for a moment. What is the only part of the Bible that was ever carved into stone? What's he talking about here? The ministry of death carved in letters on stone. What's the only part of the death? What's he talking about there? What was carved in stone? What famous incident in the Bible were words carved in stone? I'll tell you the only place in the Bible. It's the Ten Commandments. And notice that Paul calls the Ten Commandments the ministry of death. Yeah, we know they're good. I mean, do not murder is, is a good thing. It's, it's there again, the new covenant. But he's representing the whole Mosaic covenant under the Ten Commandments. And he says it's a ministry of death. 
He says, Now the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. Notice again, the Mosaic covenant was being brought to an end. It was there for a period of time. It was not eternal. We're not under it in any form now. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Now, I want you to notice this. The Mosaic Covenant is called the ministry of what? Condemnation. The New Covenant, the Jesus Covenant, is called the what? The ministry of righteousness. Why? I'll tell you why. Because the moment you accept Jesus by faith, regardless of the works you've done, regardless of how imperfect you are, you were adopted in his family, and that's what it means to be righteous. It means to be a part of God's family. It doesn't mean you're perfect yet. We still mess up. But it means that even though you aren't perfect, you don't get kicked out of the family. You're a part of the family, and that's that. It's the ministry of righteousness. It's, it's a covenant of adoption. The new covenant, the Jesus covenant, is a covenant of adoption. Your obligation is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And his obligation then is to adopt you into his family, warts and all, and call you righteous, a part of his family. Oh man, it's awesome. The adoption covenant as a child of God, and this is where I'm going to finish now. As a child of God, you are no longer under condemnation. You don't have to measure yourself by externals, by extreme self-discipline. Righteousness matters. Purity matters. But you can every morning get up. And you can strive for righteousness again, knowing you're already righteous. You're already a part of God's family. And every morning, he forgives you afresh. You start over. I'm going to finish this message by just reading a passage of Scripture like I love to do in my messages. And, and then I'm going to read it through once. And then we're going to pray it to end this message. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will take the words of this message and drive them deep into your heart and into your soul through your computer screen, through whatever it is you're listening to right now. Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. By the way, the Greek word there for no means no. Zero. Nada. None. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in the Jesus covenant. For those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life. The covenant of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh. Speaking in the law there, the Mosaic covenant. For God has done what the Mosaic covenant weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you close your eyes? And I want to pray. I'm going to put it in my own words, but I'm going to take those words and those points of Romans 8, and I want to pray Romans 8 over our church and over everyone who's listening and watching this message right now. May the Holy Spirit make these truths come alive in our hearts. Father, we want to begin by declaring that we are not under condemnation. Help our emotions to catch up with that reality. Thank you for setting us free in this new covenant from the law of sin and death. 
Please weaken the chains of sin in our lives and deliver us from evil. But remind us afresh each day that we are forgiven even though we mess up day after day after day. May our outside actions begin to glow with the effects of what you are doing in our insides. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.